Thanks, Rod. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. How are we all going? Had a, had a great week and on top of it all and didn't forget anything. And <laughs> I, I had plenty of warning that, that this was happening and you know, Andrew and Mel going away, so warning about a month or six weeks ago. and We've been away week before and week after Easter and it was, was really nice to sit on the, the banks of the river and go out in the morning I'd get my scribble book out and sit down with the Bible and concordance and you know, go through my, the books that were, were challenging me and yeah you know, it's just, just a peaceful time the birds were whistling and the river was flowing and the sun shining and you know, really nice and, and uh, yeah I sat down last a couple of nights last week and put it on paper because I can't read my scribble. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, come Friday morning and, and the wheels fell off a little bit and I had, a, had an SMS from Jen, have you done the clear view? And I, whoops. <laughs> and a couple of things going on at work and stuff happening and it just, just got to a point and the, the wheels really fell off. I, I just had to go out for a little while and, and confession. I, I'd forgotten that and... I find found some peace in in stuff that the songs that were here earlier that yeah. you know I love I love your presence and I think yeah. it just I couldn't deal with the situation right there and it's basically what prompted me to write what I wrote for the Clearview that I went outside I sat out in the, out in the car park for a while in the sun and you just just get the distractions away and just go back and reset and yeah. go back and, and and get to what it is that's the basis of it and think, I know what causes these sort of anxiety problems for me. I've, you know, I've spent time with Mike and I've sorted that out. I understand it and I, I, I can do stuff to avoid it, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah. It, it doesn't always work that way. I, I know I have to change me to change my perspective in, in uh, situations, but I can't change other people yeah. and I can't change the environment. That, that is what it is. I've got to change how I deal with that. Um, if it, if it gets too much, then I've got to change the environment. I've got to go somewhere else. And, yeah, we work on that. And I've got some stuff to work through tomorrow. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hopefully. <laughs> I'll, I'll start off early in the morning and I'll, I'll give it to God and see where we go with that. But that's it. I, I just I want to continue a little bit from where I... I the last time I spoke, I looked at... at and it was prompted by... Um, the book that Dutch Sheets had wrote. They looked at the distinction between the body and the soul and the spirit. And the body is, as we know, is our senses, it's our touch, it's our eyes, it's, it's, it's how we interface to the world around us. And the soul is, is our self, it's our mind, it's our memories. It's the part of us that makes decisions that we based on the information that comes from the body and we take a course of action for the body to implement. And in with that is, is the experiences that we've had from life, the, the stuff that's come back, as I, as I experienced on Friday. That shot me back 55 years to something that happened when I was five. And I, wow, it was bang, I was there. And I thought, yeah, I've got to deal, I can't face this now. You walk away and, and regroup. And then, and then we looked at the spirit. That's the part of us that's in touch with God. The part that is really made in God's image and that's our spirit with the Holy Spirit influence that should control our soul and then in turn our body and our, our, what we do. But in the fallen world, 
our spirit is pushed aside and it's in the driver's seat comes our soul, comes us, our mind and our, our what influences who we are. We, we discovered last time in a conversion, our spirit takes on the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. And Romans 6, 5 to 7 says, If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with and that we would no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. But our soul remains under our control. And the transition into a full-on Christian life takes some work. For some it's easy, for some it's instantaneous, and for a lot there's a lot more involved. I read a book quite a while ago, and you can, you can pull this out of many stories from many writers, but one I read was from Jackie Pullinger. It's called Chasing the Dragon. I've forgotten a bit of the detail. It's that long since I read it, but I think she was English... She had a calling to go into mission, which anyone going to mission thinks India or Africa, but she ended up in China, in Hong Kong. And in the old Hong Kong, there was a, a part of the city that was forbidden, the forbidden city that was Kowloon. Um, the only way in was through the back door of certain shops or some alleys went through. And in there, there was drug dens, there was brothels, there was illegal gambling. Um, that's where she ended up ministering to the people who were involved in that. And she found ministering to those broken... There were, the transformations she experienced were amazing. They were acts-type transformations. There was people who were falling down, they were speaking in tongues, they were prophesying, they were all of this, this Acts 3 and 4 stuff, that amazing stuff. And then she, they went through rehab, the four- or five-week program of rehab, as they were basically all heroin addicts, and they came out the other side, a changed, changed people. But then in two or three weeks later, she'd find them, they'd gone back to their old way of life. They were back doing drugs, doing whatever it was they were doing, back in the brothels and the drug dens and, and, and whatever. And she found that there was more needed. There was more. There had to be not just a transformation of spirit, but there had to be a transformation of soul and mind and body. And there had to be a new learning happen. And it's, it's, it's quite a touching story. If anyone wants it, that's there. It's worth a read. And there are many other examples that, that we can go through, but it's, it's, it's breaking that old lifestyle. It's breaking away from, from that point of who we were into who God wants us to be, who God's designed us to be. Yes. Considering that, how do we become more spirit-led? Because I know for me, I'm not there. And I, I think if we're all honest, we'd say we've got a, we've got a little ways to go. We've come to the cross, we've, we've converted, but we're somewhere along that journey on this side. And there's stuff from the past that we need to deal with, there's stuff... And I've read a few people say that there's a lot of good-meaning Christians that say, yeah, just give it to God, it'll be right. Just give it to God, it'll be right. Yeah, you'll be right, just move on, no worries. Pray about it. But sometimes it's, that's true. I'm not trying to say that's wrong, but... Sometimes it needs a bit more than that. It needs this transformation from within, within our heart, within our mind. So we know, yeah, 1 Corinthians 3.16, we know that when we say yes to Christ, his spirit takes up residence. 
First Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? There are clues from Jesus all through the Gospels about how we can achieve that transformation. Now, Ross touched on one this morning with the prodigal son. I'll just get my water. That when the prodigal made the decision to go back home, that the father was waiting, open arms, and ran to him. And this, this transformation that happened. The one I want to look at, though, is, is the parable of the sower. It's Mark 4, it starts at verse 3. It's also found in Matthew 13 and in Luke 8. If you, you wish to have a look at the story, but I like the, the version in Mark. Listen, the words of Jesus. Listen, pay attention. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. So they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60 or even 100 times. And Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding otherwise they may turn and be forgiven and Jesus said don't you understand this parable how then will you understand any parable the farmer sows the word some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown as soon as they hear it Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them Others, like the seed on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown on the thorn, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So when it comes to accepting the word, Jesus defined four types of people. Those that have no interest in God, that typically follow other religions or none at all, that seed that fell in rocky places and was quickly snatched away. The second type is the person that believes but hasn't yet developed a relationship with God. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The third group is those that have started to grow but are still troubled by the world and the issues of life. 
the seed that fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. People that are well rooted in the word and have strong relationship with Jesus fill the fourth category. Like the seed sown in good soil, they hear the word, accept it and produce a crop. The point to ponder for me out of this is which category do I fit into? Which type defines you? It would be fantastic to say we're living in the good soil category and producing great harvest. But I know I don't always live there. I struggle with the pressures of life and I know a lot of time my roots don't go deep enough. So how do I develop my relationship with Jesus? How do I get more deeply immersed in him? We improve our relationship with anyone by spending time with them. We don't go into a shop to buy a partner. You might go online. But to, to develop a relationship with a potential partner, you spend time. You spend time. You invest, you listen, you understand, you share your dreams and desires and you develop a relationship. It's like this with our God relationship. We need to spend time to develop the depth. A couple of minutes here and there is not going to develop a great depth. It's not going to develop a good marriage. It's not going to develop a good depth with God. We need to immerse ourselves in the word. John 1, 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Immerse yourself in the word. It may take time for the distractions of the world. Sorry, we make time for the distractions of the world. But do we make time for the word? The word is not just ink on paper, black or red or whatever, colour. It's not just ink on paper. It's the inspired and living word of God. It contains the best advice for every situation we will encounter in life. I believe from something I'd read with from... um, I forgot who it was, so I won't say. But there's nearly 7,500 promises from the mouth of God contained in the Word, most of which will produce a positive outcome in our lives. So it's only when you immerse yourself in the Word that you will find those passages that offer advice, the promises that will mean something to you, something that is relevant to me may mean nothing to you. We all live in a different address, but we all come from the same address if we talk. We find out how the heroes of the Bible really lived, not just the bits of the stories that we've heard of their achievements. There's a promise that I think we all should know. It's Jeremiah 29.11. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's a promise that means something different for each of us. For what is going to happen to us. And a lot of people just see that as a straight out promise. But if we read on further, we get to verse 12 and 13. And we find it's a conditional promise. We've got to do something to enjoy the benefit of the promise. And I think for me, verses 12 and 11 are more important than verse... uh, 12 and 13 are more important than verse 11. And it says, Then you will call on me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So when you call, when you come to God and pray, he listens. When you seek him with all your heart, then the plans that he has for you will come to fruition. We look at the stories of David, who was a man after God's own heart. You read of his life conquests through Samuel and Chronicle and Kings, and you'll find that life was often brutal. But where you hear his heart is in Psalms. And a large number of the 150 psalms were credited to David. And a lot of those give insight to the difficult aspects of his life, the good times and the bad and all that was in between. David poured out his heart. Walter Brueggemann noted that pain and suffering is the centre of a three-part pattern that happens in psalms. They start off with orientation in which life makes sense and we're enjoying God. Then disorientation comes, in which there's pain and suffering and hurt and we're wondering where God is in all of this, in all of life. And out of that comes a new orientation, in which God breaks in and we meet him in a new way. Check it out in Psalm 56. So I'll read. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. I think this was written when there's either a conquest with Saul or a conquest with the Philistines. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from the depth and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. 
orientated, then disorientated, and then found a new way of looking. And there's, that's only Psalm 56. Psalm 55, 57, 58 are a similar story. And, and it, the same thing. Poured out his heart to God that these people are after me. They're, they're, they're trying to do me in. Saul was trying to kill him. But he found a way through it and the trust was there. Now David was a man who had many failings. And life was brutal. I, I, I'm actually reading through part of that at the moment. And they, they, there was an occasion where they lined up the Philistines by the length of the cord. And the first cord they slaughtered. The second cord they slaughtered. What's a cord? Three metres, I think, or something. They laid them down on the ground. The third lot, well, you're all right, you can live. 18,000 people were killed that day. Life was brutal. We can find hope in these words. David is in despair. He's crying out to God for help. And then he's praising God for his deliverance. So what does it mean for us who are on rocky ground or in shallow soil? What does it mean for us who are choked out by weeds? How do we move into the rich soil? How do we find that new orientation? You'll find the answers in here. I can't give them to you because they're different for you as they are for me. Whether you do it in a traditional Bible or a special version or I've even I've, I've done the, uh, the, the version of the Bible that is as it happened, which is a little bit different to read, but the chronological reading. It's interesting it's just, to, just to do it. There's... 1,188 chapters in the Bible. If you read three chapters a day, that gives you about 13 months to read it. If you read four chapters a day, you'll do it in about nine months. It's not much. It's not much. And there's some that you can skip through pretty quickly. There's many other books. I mean, you, you can look at the writings of, of a lot of people, a lot of pastors and Joyce Meyer and people who have, who have walked a path of life and, and had to deal with issues. Christian psychologists are great at helping define issues that we need to deal with. And a lot of us have spent time sitting and talking with Mike. And they'll give you good advice on how to sort out issues. But the one thing that they all refer back to is the word. That's their reference, the authors, the psychologists, this is their reference material. It's a living word, it's not just ink on paper. I'm going to finish up with a little bit of trivia, based on trivia from last night. <laughs> but it's Bible trivia. The central verse in the Bible is Psalm 118. And there's 1188 chapters in the Bible. Psalm 118-8, verse 8, says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. That's out of the central chapter in the Bible. Yeah. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest. 
And Psalm 118 is the centre one. Now we know that the chapter and verse numbering and the orientation of the Bible was, was something that was sorted out you know, uh, well after a lot of this was written. But isn't it interesting that that's how that plays out? It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. There's great statements to a trustworthy God in Psalm 118. Verse 5 says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. Verse 6 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Verse 7 says, The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph upon my enemies. Verse 17, I will not die but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. Verse 18 says, The Lord has chastened me severely but he has not given me over to death. Verse 24, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And verse 29, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. There's a couple of songs in there, I think, in those. (laughs) So let us get into rich soil. Let us get into the word and let us get into God. Let us have a cup of coffee and we'll get back here in a little while and open our AGM. Thank Thank you.